right, pray with me before we get started. Uh, Lord, we've already asked you to teach, but Father, I want to ask you again, Lord, to impart the, uh, not only the truths of what we speak, but Lord, the, the ability to change ourselves in response to what we hear from the Word. Uh, Lord, I've, I've said a bunch of times, we, we need to see you more clearly, Lord. Uh, when Brother Brandon was here, we would go almost every Sunday morning and pray together that what would happen in the worship service is that we would see you more clearly and be changed by you. So, Father, we continue to ask for that. And, Lord, I pray that you would bless the preaching of the word, but also bless the hearing of the word, that we might be transformed more and more into the likeness of your beloved Son. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning we're looking at 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 9. It says, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the first thing that I want us to see this morning is that God's people, all of God's people, are called. We see in 1 Corinthians 1, 1 and 2, he says, Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, here it is again, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. You see, Paul was called, and that's the same thing with every single believer. Now, Paul was called to a very special mission, but in verse 2, he says, all those who were called to be saints. If you are here today and you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been called to be a saint. If you were saved, it is because God called you. He gets all the credit for our salvation. He is the one that thought of this thing. He is the one that started this thing. He is the one that has accomplished it and will maintain it, as we'll see in a moment. I want to park here on this concept of being called for a minute so that next time we sing Amazing Grace, we'll see a little bit more about how amazing it is. Let's remember how this thing started. The fall happened because God created these these perfect sinless people, put them in a perfect circumstance, and told them, here's what I want you to do. You have freedom. You You can eat of the trees of the garden, all of them, except this one. And that one you don't eat of. Well, what did we do? Our forefathers, 
listened to the word of the serpent rather than the word of this great and generous God who had created them and given them so much stuff. Because they placed their faith in the word of the serpent instead of the word of God, they plunged the whole human race into sin. Now, sometimes we think, man, I I wouldn't have done that. And if they had not messed this up, things would be a lot different. But really, every single time that we sin, we ratify their decision, right? So I believe we would have fallen as well. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So not just Adam and Eve, every single descendant of theirs from that time on has taken after their parents. And I know when I say this to somebody, when Brother Don and I go out and we share our faith with people, sometimes we'll quote, well, we'll always tell them Romans 3.23 or get them to read it. And I'll say, read that out loud for me. And they say, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I'll say, what does that mean? And they say, well, everybody sins. And that's true. And that's important for us to know. But at the same time, we may be tempted to say, well, okay, everybody sins. So it's not that big a deal. I mean, mankind is basically good. We just mess up sometimes. I think you know better than that. But most folks in our society do not know better than that. So let's see what the Bible's candid description of fallen man actually is. Romans 3, 10 through 12 tells us some bad news. As it is written, none is righteous. Well, maybe one. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. This is the real condition of fallen man. Now, that seems like we're pretty helpless, doesn't it? It seems, it seems like the situation is pretty hopeless. And from a human perspective, it is. It's not like we messed up a little, but we're trying to make peace with God. It says that no one, no one is seeking to do what's right. No one is seeking after God. So what hope is there? None that we could generate, but God came to our rescue in our pitiful condition. Romans 5, 7 through 8 says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So it's not that we made a little error in judgment and then we were trying our best to reconcile with God and to pursue God. No, instead, we were living in full throttle rebellion, and he pursued us anyway. This is the call that I want to tell you about. Even though we were the offending party, you know, we have these things called no-fault divorces, and that's not a thing. It's somebody's fault. It's probably both of their fault, right? But with this uh, break in a relationship, we were the one and only offending party. We messed up, and we offended God. He fixed it for us. Now, if somebody does something to you, it's their responsibility, we think, for them to come and apologize and try to make the situation right. But we are the offending party, and God, anyway, is the one who pursued us. While we were still enemies, God made the peace offering for us. 
Now, folks, that is grace. There was still a debt that had to be paid, though, because we realize that God is holy. And a holy God can't just overlook sin like it doesn't matter. That sin has to be paid for. The Bible says, by no means will the guilty go unpunished. If you committed some heinous crime, if you were a murderer, and you went before the judge, and you said, hey, I'm really sorry, uh, the guy kind of had it coming, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm basically good, though, I'm not going to do it again, just give me a break, and the judge set you free, then we would know that the judge himself was guilty, right? Because he had overlooked uh, his duty to carry out justice. Well, God doesn't overlook that duty. So there was still a debt that had to be paid. Now, when you realize that God sent his son to pay the debt that you owed and to remove your guilt and replace it with the righteousness of his son, that is amazing grace. And I hope the next time we sing it, it won't just be words, that you'll actually be amazed at it. I thank God that he called me. Now, he reached out to his enemy and called me into a relationship with him, even at the expense of sending his son to the cross. Look back in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2 with me. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. God has called those of us who are Christ's disciples To be saints, as it says in this verse. Did you know that you are a saint? Well, now that you know, act like one. (laughs) Now, I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to me, too. I'm going to try to act like one. And we'll all together, now that we know we're saints, we're going to try to act like it. Now, why did he call you? Um, I was listening to a guy teach Sunday school in a former church. And he said, Do any of you ever ask, why me? And I thought that he meant, why would God call me? Why would God reach out to me? Why would God decide to make peace with me? That's what I thought he meant. But instead, he meant, why, when bad things happen, do you go, oh, you know, why me? Um, I think when bad things happen, we can realize that, hey, we live in a fallen world. Sometimes we mess up and we bring those bad things upon ourselves. But the question that I still don't understand is why God chose to love me. He called you because he loved you. Now, why did he love you or why did he love me? I have no idea. That is truly amazing grace. So God's people are called graciously. But God's people are also gifted 1 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7 says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we've spoken about the grace that God has given us in that grace that has brought about peace between God and us. Paul says though in verse 4 that he gives thanks to God for them. Now why is, is Paul thanking God for them. Let's read verse 4. I didn't read verse 4 yet. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Verse 5, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech 
and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says, I thank God for you. Well, why was Paul thanking God for them? He was thanking God for them because he realized that they had been called by God's gracious, loving action. You know, you and I brought this to the table, our desperate need. That's the only thing we bring to the table in our salvation. God provides everything else. And that's why he deserves all the credit. That's why Paul is thanking God for these saints, not thanking them for making an enlightened decision. He's thanking God for pursuing them and offering them this grace. You know, this passage also tells us that he equipped us. Verse 5 says that you are enriched in him in all speech and knowledge. And also in verse 7 it says you are not lacking any gift. So we've learned just in this passage this morning that you are saints who are enriched in all speech and knowledge and you are not lacking in any gift. That means that we are a competent bunch of people to do what the Lord would have us do. So we need to obey God rather than explain why we can't. Because we just learned, right, we're saints, we're given all knowledge that we need and we're equipped to do the work of service. You know, uh, I'm reading through the Bible again this year like I have for years uh, now. And I read uh, Exodus the other day. And I saw where Moses approached the burning bush and God spoke to him. And God said, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and, and deliver my people. And Moses said, he came up with a lot of excuses why that was a bad idea. He said, well, um, they might not believe me. Um, they might think that I'm not really from you. And by the way, who are you? And, you know, he comes up with all these excuses as to why this is not a good idea. Now, some of our deacons are learning this method of witnessing that, that I've been asking you to learn. And what we're going to do is we're going to become equipped to teach you, and then we're going to ask you to come and go out with us and learn to share your faith in this, this system that's easily reproducible. Please be getting ready to join us in this. Um, now, I know some of you may think you're not cut out to be God's spokesman or spokeswoman, just like Moses said. Uh, you may even say the things Moses said. Look with me in Exodus 4, 10 through 12. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. So I have a feeling that if you tell God, Hey, I can't do this witnessing thing because I'm, I'm shy and I'm not eloquent and I'm not very good at speaking. I think that God's response would probably be, I'm the one that made your mouth and so you just do what I tell you to and I'll equip you to do that. God has gifted you for service. He has called me here to help equip you for service. Uh, have you ever wondered what the preacher's job is? The Bible tells us what the preacher's job is. Uh, check out this passage in Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 12. It says, And he, that's God, 
He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. To equip who? The saints, right? And you guys are the saints. We covered this. For what? For the work of ministry. I am called to full-time vocational ministry, but we are co-laborers. Sometimes folks get the idea that there is a difference in the the quality of Christian or something that the pastor is versus the people in the pew. This is is nonsense. There's no um, difference in in who we are. I am 100% forgiven. I am given the righteousness of Christ when God deals with me. But so are you if you're saved. So we are on the same footing there, okay? Now, we're all called to different things. I'm called into ministry. Uh, some of you have been called into teaching. Some of you have been called into medical work. Um, we need to understand that God calls us and places us wherever he would have us for ministry. Now, it's not necessarily the kind of ministry where you get up and sing or you get up and speak to people. But he has called you and placed you where he has so that you can be a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me encourage you. Let's not get that weird Roman Catholic notion that that I'm a different class of thing than you are or that other pastors are. It's just it's not true. I am called and gifted, but so are you. So God's people are called. We are gifted for service. And we're also kept secure Praise God. Look with me in 1 Corinthians 1, 7 through 9. As you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, so it says, Our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So it's God who calls us. Then after we're called, God equips us for ministry. And then He keeps us secure. How long? He will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that doctrine is called the perseverance of the saints, or sometimes it's called the preservation of the saints. What's the difference? Well, the perseverance of the saints means that the saints, the ones of us who are truly followers of Christ, are going to persevere in our faith until we die and meet the Lord face to face. The preservation of the saints sort of focuses the, uh, the shift of the attention to God's work. And so, which one do you want to use? I don't care because both of them are true. Both of them are true because of the grace of God. If I could lose my salvation... I would lose my salvation. Um, If I were trying to preach to you a gospel that said the Lord has started a great work in me, but I'm able to mess it up, I think that would diminish the Lord. I think that would be uh, me telling you that God is not able to finish what he starts. And that is not at all true. Charles Spurgeon had this to say regarding this doctrine. I could never either believe or preach a gospel that saves me today and rejects me tomorrow. A gospel which puts me in Christ's family in one hour and makes me a child of the devil the next. 
a gospel which first justified and then condemns me, a gospel which pardons me and afterwards casts me down to hell. Such a gospel is abhorrent to reason itself. Much more is it contrary to the mind of the God whom we delight to serve. Now, I could not agree more, not because Charles Spurgeon is my ultimate authority, but because he very eloquently agrees with what Scripture teaches us. Look with me at Philippians 1, 6. Paul writes, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So, there are different systems of thinking about how we are saved. Some folks believe that God sort of makes an opportunity available, and those of us who are smart enough or who are righteous enough um, come to God when that opportunity is given. And the ones who are not, not as good as us miss the boat. Well, that's not true. The Bible says there's no one that seeks after God. Remember what we read over in Romans so it's not that I'm, I'm, I'm a little better kind of individual. I'm, I'm more morally upright than my relatives who are lost. That's not the case. God pursued me, not the other way around. And he saved me and he's going to keep me. And if you believe you got yourself into salvation, I guess it's reasonable to believe that you can get yourself out of salvation. But we know that that's not the case either because of what scripture says here. It says that the one who started it is able to complete it. Look at it. It says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you. It's not the good work that you began, right? It's he that began the good work in you. And he will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. So Baptists sometimes say, we believe once saved, always saved. And we do. And that is more formally called the preservation or the perseverance of the saints, whichever way you want to look at it. But this is not just something that we made up. It's something that we see taught in Scripture, and that gives us a tremendous sense of security. All right, so what do we do? The first thing is uh, we believe this doctrine. We don't just believe what the preacher says. We don't just believe what Mama said. What we do is we look in the Word, and we see what the Word says, and we seek to understand it. And once we do understand it, we believe it. And then we're able to teach our kids and our grandkids and our fellow church members the freedom that comes with knowing that God began our salvation and God is going to complete our salvation. We also need to praise God for this. Um, I'm probably going to misquote him, but a, a pastor that I enjoy listening to is named Dr. Stephen Lawson. And he said something to the effect of, your church will never go higher in worship then it goes deep in theology. I hope you understand that. <laughs> knowing God, knowing what amazing grace He has bestowed on us, that will change our worship. If you have a half-hearted attitude toward worship, you have a half-hearted attitude toward God. The more you know Him, the more you love Him, the more passionately you want to express that love. And so I think Dr. Steve Lawson was exactly right that our praise will be more energized, more, more high, more lofty the, the deeper we get in our theology. So, orthodoxy, believing the right stuff, 
leads to doxology, which is the worship of God. The next thing is live these truths out. What I mean by that is, if we see that we are called by God, then we give God the praise for our salvation. If we see that we are equipped for the service of ministry, then we won't make excuses as to why we can't do ministry. We'll say, okay, the God who called us has then equipped us. So instead of saying, well, we don't, uh, we don't feel worthy, we don't think we can do what we're asked to do, instead we'll say, God is capable of giving me whatever he needs to give me so that I can follow his, um, his commandments. So we realize that we are equipped to serve the Lord. We are called to ministry. And then we do it resting in the fact that we know that the one who began a good work in us will indeed carry it through to the end. When it said earlier that we are saved to the end, that means that we who are truly followers of Christ don't have to worry about whether he loves me or he loves me not. You know that little, little game that, that kids play about how they get a little daisy and they go, he loves me, he loves me not. We don't have to do that with God. Once he sets his affections on you, he is never going to change his mind. So let me tell you, if you're here today and you're not 100% sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven. Let me tell you how to establish that relationship that God will never break. And if you've heard this a dozen times, listen to it again so that you can tell your friends, okay? Uh, The Bible says, and we read today, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That creates a big problem with us. We have broken our relationship with, with God. And I told you too that God is holy and he must punish sin. So that puts us in a bad, bad situation. So what our loving Heavenly Father did was he sent his son to live a perfect righteous life that we couldn't live and to die a death that he did not deserve but that we did in order to give us forgiveness. That is really good news, but it's only part of the good news. The rest of it is that by faith we can have the righteousness of Christ credited to our account. You know, if you've got some bills you can't pay, I, one good option would be marry a multi-billionaire. You don't have to worry about it anymore, do you? <laughs> All right, well, that's what we do spiritually when we join ourselves to Christ. We get His righteousness, and we get forgiven of our sin. So if you're here and you're not 100% sure that you have that relationship, come and talk to me. Uh, I can't save you for sure, but I can introduce you to the one who can. All right, let's stand together. And uh, what I want you to do is we're going to sing, but also, if you would, pray for those around you. And, uh, and pray that we will be a bunch of people who understand the gospel, who understand that we've been called by God's grace. We've been equipped by the Holy Spirit for the work of ministry. And praise God we are kept until the end. If you need to come up here because you say, hey, I want to join this church, then come up here. If you want to come up here because you say, I'm not 100% sure that if I died, I would go to heaven, then come up here and I'll talk to you. If you have something you would like to pray about, it would be my honor to pray with you.